welcome. Hey, Josiah, how you doing? Andrew, glad to be back. Another week and back in the studio. It's good to be here. Oh, yeah, definitely glad to be back. Uh, so, 2020 elections. Uh, it's uh, still going still on. Still going on. Still getting counted. and Still it's, getting counted, yes. It's um, nerve-wracking. I'm nervous. Just, yeah, yeah, it's a little, little <laughs> nerve-wracking. <laughs> but we got, uh, so right now, nothing has changed. So as of right now, nothing really has changed. Uh, we will kind of give just an update what yeah, county kind of election has on here. Kind of uh, basically where it's leaning towards, you know. Basically. Go ahead and so there we go. So right now, current county elections has no update. We will refresh that. Oh, there you go. See, no update. As of right now, we have... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, where are we? Delano, right? Delano Union School Board member. Uh, right now, we have Frank Herrera, Suzanne Villaruz in second, and uh, Margie Lukey Felix in third with 28.66%. Uh, now, these are not all the votes, just no. to be clear to everybody. No, yeah. These are not all the this votes. Is not this final. is still really early. And like I said, the last update was still yesterday at two o'clock in the morning. So, I mean, there's probably a whole day's worth that has not been counted. City Council right now in first in first right now we have Veronica Vasquez, then Joan Lindahow, Grace Vallejo, and then by about I think it's sixteen votes. I yeah, think that's uh, really uh, close. Sal Solorio Reese right behind Grace Vallejo and Joe Geary right behind about eighty nine. And then you got about a hundred and I think it was like a hundred and thirty ish votes. You have Jaime Mendoza behind um third if because I mean it's still anybody's race for third. There's it could be anybody. And then you have Carlton Lennon uh, down on the bottom, which is six uh, percent. So I mean, that's what we have right now uh, yep. as far for uh, Delano Joint Union High School District. Now this is just the Kern County one. Remember, the high school district takes both from uh, here and Tulare County because you have feeder students in early Mart Richgrove and sometimes Pixley are heard. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there are some people, there are, you still got to count the Tulare County votes for the high school district. Wow. I am lost. Where am I? <laughs> you got to look at uh, oh, there it is. city four. Yeah. There you go. So Arnold Morrison in first at 48% Ray Arvizu Ooh. at Arvizu. 26 uh, ahead of incumbent Jesus Cardenas at 24.77%. Yeah. So that is the current, um, Numbers that we have for the election as of right now. And like we said, it is anybody's game. Yeah, it's, Any- we still have, um, so, uh, well, you know, according to uh, s- some statistics that uh, we still have a few thousand votes to go. Yes. Uh, based yeah. off of projections of uh, voter registration numbers that have increased uh, this election season and um, just uh, the amount of voters that we still need to account for. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's still, you know, it's, it's still, still anybody's. We still got to, you know, Couple votes, you know, a little more than a couple, but we still have a couple votes to count. Yeah. So, I mean, today for the program, we do have a couple of items to bring to you today. Uh, we have first joining us tonight is going to be Mario Nunez with Delano Bangles. Yep. So, Delano Bangles will be joining us shortly right now. We'll give him a call right now. So, uh, they're going to be talking about signups. We have uh, signups that are going to be uh, coming because football season is Hello? upon us. Hey, hey Mario, hey, how's it going? I'm good. Good, good. Hey, so uh, we see we have uh, football signups. Is that right? Delano Bengals uh, getting ready to start, uh, at least signing up, getting everybody ready for it's going to be a late start in the season, right? Yeah. 
It is. It is. We're getting ready to start up here. Um, of course, this pandemic has slowed us down quite a bit, so we're making sure before we get going that we're all ready to go. But, yeah, we got football sign-ups coming up. And, uh, so explain a little, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I, I was, I was going to tell you, yeah, go ahead and explain a little bit on how they can sign up and uh, where to sign up. So what we're going to start is uh, this Tuesday, uh, November 10th, we're going to meet out at um, Martin Luther King Park here in Delano, the former Valley Vista Park behind Valley Vista, uh, Nueva Vista School. We'll be there at 5 o'clock. Uh, of course, we're going to practice all our social distancing, and we're going to have masks out there if people don't have masks. Mm. And um, we'll have the different forms out there. Uh, everybody needs a physical to play football. And then uh, everybody's going to have to, um, to sign a hold harmless waiver, uh, not only for the elementary school district, but for the high school, as well as the city of Delano. And in the league that we play in is all Valley Youth Football. And we will hand all that paperwork out there. It'll be both in Spanish and English. Um, this year, unlike other years, we normally charge about $70 to play uh, football. This year, we're only going to charge $25. And that $25 is going to cover your uh, full insurance, your uh, uh, T-shirt, uh, your mouthpiece. Um, and you get everything else, all your gear and everything from us on that. Wow. Wow. Dang, so 25 bucks. 25 bucks. So that's... 25 uh, bucks. So and- what we did is we broke... We, you want to know where that money goes to. Um, we just had a league meeting a couple of weeks ago, and they told us what our insurance was going to break down to. So it breaks down to roughly about about $13.80 per kid um, on the team to play football. And then we normally buy um, all the kids a T-shirt. Uh, it's a practice T-shirt so they can look like a team when we practice and we warm up. And in our games, it's under your uniform. Yeah. Uh, the t-shirt's going to rough, run us roughly about, about eight bucks. Um, so then we give everybody a mouthpiece and we'll pay about a dollar and about dollar 60 a mouthpiece. So we just rounded it up to an even 25. Um, there's no, it's just paying for what we use. Right. Okay. That's pretty good, man. Yeah. I mean, no. you want to go play football? Pay twenty five bucks, go play football, have some fun. That, I think that, that's a great deal, honestly. <laughs> oh yeah. Now, now, is there going to be any restrictions or anything? Not with COVID and everything, because obviously there is, there is, and that's why we're starting a little bit earlier. Football actually won't start until December fourteenth. Is when we actually get involved in using a football. Mm. From November tenth through December fourteenth, we're going to teach everybody the new COVID way to play football. But when December 14th comes around, it's going to be regular football. However, there's a lot of restrictions we have now. So we're going to teach kids how to um, social distance during practice. The biggest thing is social distancing, distancing in practice, um, um, what to expect um, at the games when you get there. There's going to be some new rules for parents. Oh, okay. um, and on the sidelines, they've in, unlike traditional, everybody's just clustered around on the sidelines and all gathered up and just hanging out. We're not going to be able to cluster. Actually, they have to be shoulder to shoulder, at least one arm length away from each other on the sidelines, all standing nice and pretty formation. Mm. Um, you're not running around. If you're on the sideline and you have your helmet off, you're going to have to have a mask on. Uh-huh. If you have your helmet on or you're playing in the game, you don't need a mask. Uh, and then uh, as far as um, uh, gloves, we're going to highly recommend that all the boys uh, buy their own gloves. Okay, wow. That way you have gloves on and you disinfect them and clean them every night. Uh, we're currently with the Bangor organization. We have um, been uh, stockpiling and buying uh, disinfectant wipes, um, hand sanitizer, and 
the Lysol style spray. So um, when the uh, you're at the games or at halftime, we're going to clean everybody up. You know, still working on that at our halftime meetings. Uh, we're in, during the games, the boys will have to put their mask on when they're sitting there. They're all breathing hard, and we have to put them on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then when it's time to get time That's... to get back on the field, you know, you will you can take your mask off and put it back on. It seems kind of um, cliche because you know what can that face mask really cover me up? It's yeah. not very much, but we got to teach them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is going to be the new normal for a while. Yeah, for sure. I mean, well, I mean, definitely there's going to be a big change. I mean, even the season, it's usually, usually this is already halfway through the season. Actually it's almost playoff time by, by now. So yeah, I mean, we starting, would actually be finishing. Yeah. yeah. Nor- normally yeah, normal, be finishing yeah. up. So, I mean, also that's going to be different this year as far as weather. Weather it's, and it's going to be a yep. cold all season, pretty much. Well, yeah, it's kind of sad. This year, this year was kind of a nice year. To, had we been playing football right now, our weather was awesome. It was great. No, you know, no rain. It was nice and warm. It would have been a beautiful season to play football. And unfortunately, it seems like we're getting ready to start, and now the the cold is going to kick in, and we got water coming. So, mm, yeah, it's going to make it difficult. So that's got to change a lot as far as. Um, like water, like you normally you have like water boys or, or people that take out there on there. So that, that's got to change, right? Because you're not going to, there's no communal use of any of those uh, uh, bottles anymore, right? That is correct. Every kid will have to bring his own water bottle, not mm. only to practice, but to the games. And uh, they will be uh, with their names on them and they can only drink from that. Uh, we will have somebody that will fill their bottles for them there, but they will not be able to, um, um, share the water bottles like we traditionally do. They're going to have to have their own water bottles. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, that, that, that that's kind of weird. Like, I mean, when you, when you think about social distancing overall, it's like taco football. That's probably the least social distancing <laughs> yeah. sport you could probably play. Yeah. Especially, I mean, it's taco football. Even with the, uh, the uh, helmets and masks and everything, they put, obviously they're not going to play with masks. Right. While they're on the field, correct? Correct. No mask while on the field. Yeah. Okay. So, so I mean, yeah, we have uh, right here on the graphic, we'll put it up there. So, I mean, is if anybody wants to screenshot this while you're watching it, uh, we have, you have signups, which are Tuesday, November 10th from five to six, as well as Wednesday and Thursday, November 11th and 12th, same time. And that will be at Martin Luther, uh, King, Martin Luther Park. King Jr. Park. Yep. So it's, uh, yeah, the- that is Behind Nueva Vista, so if you know, if you don't know where that's behind Nueva Vista, where the spray park is, so signups. Is there a specific area like is a gazebo, or you're gonna have pretty much like a tent set? No, up? we're gonna be uh, on the south end of the park. We'll have a couple of tables set up, and, and just like signups, you get a, uh, you do your six foot social distancing uh, before the kids uh, as they're coming to signups. We're actually gonna bring the kids, deal with the parents, and move the kids onto the field and start teaching them what we were looking for. We're going to be doing, we have to do temperature checks. Uh, even parents, if parents want to hang out, they can hang out. They can't group amongst themselves. If you and your wife come and sit down and you and wife can sit down together, but if another parents are there, you have to stay away from each other at least six feet. Um, so we're going to start teaching that now. So we want parents, we encourage parents to come out and watch your kids. So, but we can't have them clustered and they have to stay. I think it's a total of 40 yards away from any players at any time. Wow. Um, during breaks, uh, you know, at, during practice and during these, uh, our signups and slash tryouts and camps, uh, kids are not allowed to go to their parents during that. They're going to have to stay with us. 
that limits exposure to everybody. So something, something kind of neat we're going to do as well is once we start issuing gear, we're going to be bringing out plastic bags every night. And we're going to encourage parents either bring your own trash bags or we will. We're going to encourage kids to strip out of their football gear on the field, parents to change them out, put your gear all into a trash bag. We will spray your gear down with Lysol. You cover that bag up, take it home, uh, wash the clothes, and then like the helmet and shoulder pads and other pads, leave it in the garage, take it out of the bag, let it air out overnight. Uh, so in the event we do have a kid that has uh, either COVID or we get an exposure, they're not taking it home and exposing uh, the rest of the family. We're bagging it up and it's going straight into the laundry. So I know that you said that the students will be, you know, not, not be able to visit their, or the parents during the, the breaks or the, the, the half times. Um, how, how would they be able to fill their, their water bottles or would it be someone de designated to fill we, their bottles? We will have a, a, a designated, what we call, it's not going to be a water boy. It's, it's, it's a water boy, but a designated person for that. And that person's job, is going to be specific to fill water bottles for the kids. Mm. In general, a kid will not finish a water bottle in the entire game. Copy. Um, there's had we had extreme heat, he still wouldn't be able to finish one water bottle in the entire game. That's true. That's that, that's so true. Now that we're going into the cold, it's less likely as well. That's correct. Yeah. Wow. So then, uh, is there anything, I know you probably said at the beginning, but just to recap on that, anything specific that any parents need to bring? Now, this is ages kindergarten through eighth grade, correct? That is correct. If they're in kinder now through the eighth grade, um, what they need to bring uh, at our first one, uh, at our first sign-up starting this Tuesday, we will need them to um, um, just bring their kids, um, make, sure, uh, make sure everybody wears a mask, and we will hand them all the paperwork. When they do come the first day, I need a parent there. I can't, you know, I can't send them with the older brother or the comadre or, or the neighbor. <laughs> yeah. I need a parent there because they need to find this hold harmless. Yeah. Without that, we can't have that kid out there. And and we want all our kids to play. This is for both boys and girls. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. We're going to flash that right on the screen again right now so everybody could see. Uh, so if you need to take down that, if you haven't seen it online already or you need to share it, anybody interested in signing up for Delano Bengals Youth Football, signups are November 10th, 11th, and 12th from 5 to 6. Please remember to bring a parent, guardian, not an older brother, uh, to sign up because there's a lot of waivers and a lot of instructions that need to be uh, given out to everybody that's gonna that wants to participate. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, make sure you get that. And then, Mario, uh, anything else before? Yeah, the, the other thing, uh, we're not going to be picking up any money from anybody at this time. Uh, once they get their okay. physical from the doctor and they turn the physical in, we will pick up money there. Okay, um, so no need to worry about anything right now. And like and like you said, it's only $25. Right. Yeah, it's 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 nice and cheap, and, and we did it that way. So, you know, we don't want to pay a lot of money, and then the season ends. Yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. Yeah. All right, man. And I, our, our first game is scheduled for Saturday, January 2nd, and it's uh, eight weeks with three weeks of playoffs. Wow. Well, I'm pretty sure a lot of these kids are looking forward to that. There's uh, yeah. and, and coaches, adults. I'm pretty sure everybody's looking some uh, excuse to get out and at least be out there with their kids, support them with and everything. Have, have so. some fun with other people, you know, oh, at yeah. least. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mario. Well, thank you very much for coming on and giving all the information for Delano Bengals Youth Football signups. 
And again, everybody remember the dates. You get it's right there on the screen. You can go ahead and share that, screenshot it, do whatever you need to do. Go out there and sign up. Get your kids sign up. And like I said, everybody's going to be educated on the process. Yeah. All right. All right, Mario. Thank you very much. Thank hey, you so much, Mario. Hey guys, I appreciate it. Yeah. Right, let's see you. Bye. Bye bye. All right. Well, that was Mario. Yeah. Mario joined us from there. Uh, so I mean, that that's that's great. There's going to be a lot for these kids to sign I think up. It's, and... I think it's just a great deal, honestly. Oh yeah. Twenty five bucks. Go out bucks. there. He said it was what fun. seventy dollars before. Yeah, 70, 70 bucks before. Seventy bucks. Which I mean, I mean, you know, prices are reasonable now, but but now I mean, especially if you you're a kid and you want to go out and have some fun, you know, with the maybe with your friends or the coaches possibly, and you know, haven't had for a while, go out and twenty five bucks, sign some paperwork, and be back in business. I think so. You know, I think it's it's awesome. It's we're getting exposed, and I know that Mario was talking about how it's now the new normal, which we we all need to get adjusted, and we all need to get used to it. But I think it's going to be a good thing for the kids to to be out there and start playing some football. Oh yeah, no, it's gonna be great for them. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, that it, it's gonna be great. Up next, uh, we have um, Officer CSO Silva. Uh, yeah. We're gonna give him a call right now. But first, uh, that was a trunk or treat. That's what they're gonna talk about a little bit. Recap. Exactly. The trunk or treat was last week. Yeah, that, the that, trunk or yeah. treat was on Friday, and there was a lot. There was of a people, lot of cars. A lot like, of cars. They had to start. Actually, we had to start. Was it an hour or like a half an hour early? I think. So it actually started at. 5.30 versus 5 6 because there was People, so many cars. People, cars were lining up. I think, what was it, like at 4 o'clock, I think? The, yeah, the, so. the 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 cars, we were there setting up, you know, the, the equipment, the sound system, we were there setting up with so everybody. I, mean, I have the graphic right there. I yeah, mean, those people. Check that out. Check that, that out. Look at that. I mean, this is, you see Grand Slam right there. Right. And then this is the overpass. And that's just, I think that was This is barely in the, yeah, this is barely this is in the really beginning. really early in the beginning. We were getting so reports I mean, that during the, during the event, it was wrapping around all the way to. There it is right there. So you see how it's wrapping long. around? Yeah. All the way around Pacific Tire, and I went all the way back to County Line. All the way back to County Line. So, I mean, that was how it's kind of snaked through right there in that empty lot, and everybody went around. But the line went on. The line and went, it went on beyond. And on. They had to extend the amount of time, an extra hour, possibly I think it was like an hour and a half. We didn't end up. I think it was like 40, 45 minutes. Forty-five past, minutes to an hour past. Exactly. Past I think the last, the last uh, song or the last, uh, you know, the, the event kind of, you know, ended around eight thirty, eight thirty-five almost, which it wasn't supposed to end that late. I think it was supposed to end like at eight. I believe it was like six to eight, but we had to push it earlier and we had to extend it out. It was an amazing event. Uh, we were there with the sound, live sound, and candy, and I don't know how many cars. I wonder if the, uh, you know. Um, the uh, Silva will be able to, uh, you know, tell us maybe give us a little bit of a number estimate here on how many, how many cars, how many people were served in the community. So that's that's actually, you know, amazing to me that oh, that yeah. many people showed up, and they were able to go. So it's just, you know, it's, it, it was amazing, man. I was we were out there and a lot of candy. We saw the uh, you know city council members going out handing out some candy and having a great time. There was a lot of costumes out there. I I, I wish it would have been a costume contest. That would have been cool to see. Oh yeah, uh, no, but, that would, yeah, with with all the uh, restrictions on anything, that would have been hard to do. Uh, well, I, I know, say well, they would have probably, yeah, yeah. you probably could have pulled it off at a at a distance. I mean, they were able to to create a, a a car tunnel to drive your car through with Halloween with Halloween gifts and stuff. So if they were able to do that, I mean, you could have you could have had a costume a costume contest. But um, I don't know, man. Overall, it was a great it, it was a great experience to to you know to be there. It was tiring. Uh, I was there, you know, the entire time, and uh, hopefully uh, CSO Silva will be able to, you know, give us a little bit more of a recap, but, you know, 
Oh we'll yeah. See. No, hopefully he can. Uh, so let's uh, let's go ahead and bring him on right now. We yeah. have uh, about a minute right now. Let me give him a call. Yeah. There we go. So we're getting uh, CSO Silva on the line right now. Hello. Hello. Hey, hey how you how's it going? you're live. How's it going? Good, good. How's it going for you guys? That's going great, it's man. Going great. It's going, it's going good. awesome. Good start. All right, guys. So I guess we're here to talk about the trunk retreat, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. we are. Man, <laughs> we saw we saw some aerial shots. Line, I mean, like like miles. It seemed like miles of cars, you know, bumper to bumper, stretching all the way down the county line. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yes, that that was really um, it was really nice to see. Uh, one of my friends, Ben, he he took out his drone and he was able to capture those shots for us. And I know the line backed up so so much that our chief was even telling me, "Hey, we got to start this early." So yeah, uh, that's yeah. that's how many cars we had out there. <laughs> well, I know, I, like I was there setting up, and I even saw cars like starting to line up. It was like four four fifteen. Like it, it was hours before it started, and, and we had that actually that line started before four o'clock. Yeah, because it was yeah. like a little bit before. It was a little bit before like, four o'clock. There was already cars starting to line up. It was already line up, cars and we were there. both like, Are "Those cars lining up already?" Like, and I was like, "Yeah, they are." Maybe they're just, just pulled over. No, just, another uh, car came behind. Knew that another they had car to get came there behind. Early. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, it was it was a, it was a lot of traffic. So, but the good thing is that we had a really good turnout. And we had a lot of good comments from the community. Uh, even though we did have a really long line, I think we even asked the people who were waiting, hey, so how long were you in the line? Right. And they said they were there for like um, maybe close to an hour, but they said they never, no, it wasn't really like a standstill traffic. So I guess that was a good thing. Really yeah, it, it was continuous, you know, moving a little bit slow because of that weaving in, but it was continuous. People, cars, you know, we were producing a faster turnout. Yeah, no, it yeah. Was, there was there was a lot of people kind of, and it was it was very organized. They had a lot of volunteers kind of passing out. Uh, yeah, every, yeah every, everybody was there. Candy bags were ready. Uh, I think they put um, was it like post-it notes on each car? So as 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 they were coming through, you know, okay, you need three bags here, two bags here, however many yeah. bags each car did. And it, everything seemed like it ran really smooth. They were just like, man, there's so many cars. Yeah, we walked yeah, out there a few coming. times, and it was like, hmm, yeah. I wonder if it's gonna slow down. Nope, kept on looking. Kept going, kept uh, going. One of your guys was there. He was flying the drone, and mm. and we were we were looking. I was like, "Hey, how far does the line go?" And he showed <laughs> us, and I was like, "Whoa, that is insane! Yeah. How far the yeah. line went?" <laughs> oh yeah, it was really good. And it's it's interesting that you you brought up the uh, you know how well organized it was because honestly, none of this was would have been uh, been able to happen if it wasn't for the. Um, help that we had from the community. Yes. Uh, the planning that we had with this event, we definitely had uh, two different organizations. Although it was a, a Delano Police event, we did have some co-hosts that along with us. And I would like to even thank um, just Lifehouse Church here yeah. in Delano and and the Delano Rec Department. Uh, they have really good experience in hosting food drives and other good communities that involve traffic. So. Um, with all all these um, like minds, it was easier to be, to decide how we could do with traffic, and also most importantly, I want to thank the officers who helped us control traffic because, yeah. as you could tell in those photos, they they, they were there was a lot a lot of cars there. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, I know we we have a graphic up there because you let us know you guys passed out over two thousand bags of candy. 
Wow. Yes, sir. And, uh, I, you know what? When you told us about the masks, yeah. you guys are pass- that you had passed out over 10,000. I didn't know they were passing out masks. We didn't even know you guys were passing out masks. What? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's, uh, we didn't just pass out masks also. Uh, Lifehouse helped us out, also pass out school supplies. So wow. that was a really good plus side on that. And I was talking to Chief about this, and I was like, hey, you know what? We're doing more than just candy. We're going to give out school supplies and masks. So they're getting a little bit of, like, everything in one package. So I was just telling them, well, since COVID, we haven't been able to do these public events. Yeah. So we're pretty much combining all the events we could have had throughout this year uh, into one big event. So, yeah, everybody got masks and school supplies. And that included from, like, binders to pencils, notebooks and so much more. So it, it was a really good turnout in, in what we were giving out to the community. So we wow. have a little clip from that, and we want to show just a quick little highlight reel. So we're going to show that really quick. Go ahead and um, play that. Yeah, we're going to play that so everybody can see just a little recap from that event. Here we go. Sounds good. see really the amount of people and just you know, the amount of participation within the community uh, towards this event it was really awesome to see that yeah come yeah, together no, it, was, it was it was great and uh thank you thank the uh delano police department and everybody involved in the organization of this yeah a lot of people were like hmm, is it is the trunk and treat still going to occur because that's like one of the biggest events yeah. in the year the yeah. Parks and Rec, City of Delano, uh, uh, Delano Police Department, because there's always so many people. And, and I know when they hold it out there at um, Cesar Chavez Park, yeah, there that line wraps around that whole park at, at least maybe a couple times if not goes into the outlying streets. Yeah. So, I mean, just mm-hmm. to see that same amount of people in cars... It was great. Those candy, yeah. bag, those candy bags look of... big, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're, they're getting some good candy. Oh, yeah. And then you said it's not only candy. There was school supplies. There was masks. Masks. You know? I mean, it's, so it's not only the kids that benefited families. Yeah, families were benefited yeah. as well. Oh, heck yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we started planning this uh, kind of like late late September because personally, I, I just love Halloween. I, I, I like the spooky yeah. season. And I, I like getting involved. And yeah. uh, of course, with this pandemic, it kind of was like uh, a little disappointing because, you know, the news starts posting out like, oh, you know, people aren't going to be able to do their, their traditional tr- like trick or treat. So I, I know with recent experience, we hosted a food drive ourselves. And I was just thinking, all right, instead of giving out food, let's just give out candy. Right. And then we can make some fun out of this. And we could we could get a whole canopy decorated and do like a little zigzags and you know, decorate the whole area. So yeah. this was definitely a really exciting event. So I, I, I definitely want to, you know, thank uh, mainly my chief for the approval of, of allowing me to plan this. And then, yeah. of course, like the help from everybody else. So because we did, um, like I know I mentioned, there's, there were some people who helped us out, like Supervisor Couch. Um, he donated candy. 
Um, the transit department here in Delano gave us candy too. Uh, Rudy uh, Solis, Wines, yeah. Yeah. So Rudy Salas helped us out. Uh, he was actually one of his representatives, Eric Arias, is there helping us uh, wow. pass out candy. And then Brining One's apartments, um, they do a lot for the community and their uh, complex there. And they also decorated and gave out candy. And volunteers also. We had TJ um, Cox there for, uh, passing out candy for the majority of the event. So I was I was really surprised that he was really out there and putting in work. So uh, also with Grace Vallejo and Joe Lindahau. Yeah, I and, saw them. Yeah, we saw some yep. city council members out there and uh, just enjoying and having fun and passing out, talking to the people. It, I think it was really yeah. a community, you know, moment where people came together for the first time uh, during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, you know, with the holidays coming up, I feel like this is a really great time to just get back to the community, especially uh, with the holidays. And I think that's one event I want. I'm going to get touch bases about right now too that we're planning. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a really good event, great turnout, and it, it really uh, sparked uh, uh, my passion again for. We're doing community stuff because, you know, like and I mentioned again, it's the COVID, you know, we, we were so restricted of what we can do. And now that we actually have some some type of like liberty to host stuff, it, it really encourages me to, to continue doing some stuff, which I have, um, which I'll talk about what we'll be doing for November and December um, here shortly. Wow. Yeah. So uh, speaking of that, November, we, you guys have a, an event planned. Is that, just yes. TPD or is in connection with another group? So we are, this, this connection is going to be with, uh, co-host will be for the Delano Recreation Department. Uh, they helped us out last year with a turkey drive. We're, we're, we're planning on doing it uh, again this year. Uh, we, we're still doing the plannings of it. So at the moment, uh, so anybody who's hearing and would like to participate in this, uh, we are accepting turkey donations. We have a goal of 100 turkeys. And that will be provided to families here in the community of Delano. Uh, traditionally, we partner up with the schools and they give us a list of students. And we go out and pass them out to families. And then also, um, we give them various the foods uh, along with the turkey. So we're trying to do the same thing this year. Or if not, we might even just do a regular traditional drive through style for COVID season. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. so we're still planning on how we want to uh, do that. But that definitely is going to be towards the end kind of closer to thanksgiving so our deadline for that to get turkeys is the 20th so if anybody would, would like to help out and make this event possible um that the, um, they could donate turkeys to the delano police department and they could get a hold of me and i'll be willing to pick them up from any location there you go awesome anybody have any turkeys or any businesses want to donate one many However many you can, get a hold of uh, CSO Silva at Delano PD. You can give them a call, uh, Delano Police Department. Get a hold of them and uh, donate away. Yeah. Let's uh, see who, how many. I, I know in the past you guys have served a lot of families, and you actually went mm-hmm. house to house, right? So you had like, yeah, a lot went. of officers that would go out, they would load up the back of their explorers with turkeys and ba- uh, boxes, and they would go house to house and drop off to families that were uh, suggested that could receive or could benefit from having a full turkey dinner. And that's a yep. full turkey. I mean, they give you the sides and everything to have a full turkey dinner. So it's not yeah. just the turkey. They right. give you everything pretty much you need to, to do that. So mm-hmm. Exactly. It's really, it was really good. We've seen it in the past and hopefully we can, you guys keep this going. It keeps it going for this holiday season. Cause I'm, I'm pretty sure there's, 
many people that could benefit because it's COVID. Everything's been tough for everybody. Yeah, of course. So that's why for us, we, we want to get more turkeys than we did last year. That way we could uh, reach out to more families. So, yeah, I know um, we as we come close to the end of the year, December is normally like our, close, uh, our slow year. But I think that's going to be the, the one of probably my most heartfelt events that we have. And the reason that I mentioned heartfelt is because we will be doing our traditional shop with the cop. And I know I, I but I, so that one's going to be really interesting. Um, that one's actually going to be coordinated by Sergeant Nunez. He was actually just recently on right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sergeant Nunez. Yeah. We all know, we all know Nunez when it's shop with the cop time because he always, usually goes to arrest people. So they can get bailed out, donate so many, either so much money yeah. or so many toys before they can get bailed out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he's uh, the main coordinator for this event. And we do definitely help him out to make this event possible because this is a really great event. Um, I had the privilege to do it the first time myself last year. And I will, will definitely do it again this year. So, But before I go into any details of that, I, I want to just give... Um, so for this event, it's going to be a December 12th, and it will be at your local Walmart. And we we aim to get about 100 uh, children for this event. So wow. so that's something. Um, um, we did have a, a variety of kids uh, last year, so uh, it, it was a uh, it was I think it came to the point where even officers were taking two kids for for each officer had two kids, and they all had to do this chop with the cop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. awesome. yeah. Yeah, so the main thing that uh, Sergeant Nunez mentioned that we were trying to get for this event is basically just monetary donations and toy donations. So basically, with that, um, we'll be also collecting toys in front of Walmart. We're going to be doing a fill a SWAT SWAT unit in front of Walmart where people just come and donate toys, and then we'll fill up the SWAT unit. And just that um, when kids get their toys from Walmart, they still have an opportunity to go to the police department and pick up additional toys on top of whatever they have on their wish list. Wow. That's good. Yeah. Christmas with the bonus. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So definitely. So, uh, like I said, uh, Nunez is really smart about planning this because he always chooses this on a, on a payday for us. And, um, so whatever we, all the monetary money that we get, um, Nunez, uh, separates it equally for all the officers who get involved. And he tells us that, um, you know, we got to go, he gives us their wish list and yeah. we got to go with them and they get to choose uh, a set of clothes. And on top of that, uh, the items that they desired on there. So with my experience, I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to get somebody. It's going to be fun. Um, you know, I got, I think at the time we had like $250. Yeah. So I had this really, really, really nice, like a girl, she was super shy when I was talking to her. And she was really sweet. She was really artistic because yeah. I saw everything on her wish list. And she said that she wanted canvases and paintings. And I was like, oh, okay, this is simple. You know, let's go. Yeah. And we got everything at, at one shot. And then I, I seen that her number one item was a, a hoverboard. And uh, I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. You got to get the top one. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, man. And I remember at Black Friday, they were like $80. But I was like, oh, you know, that's, that, that'll be fine. Yeah. Um, because if we go over our budget, we, we have to pay the rest on our stuff, like ourselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, I was like, all right, let's go check them out. And we saw the hoverboards 
and they were close to $200 just for the hoverboard. <laughs> and I was just like, Oh man. But you know, I had that, like, you know, I, I had that moment where I was like, no, I, I need to do this. I yeah. need to do it because like, you know, the conversation I was having the entire time, like this, this uh, young girl was genuinely one of the sweetest persons I've met because, um, you know, most of these kids um, not only want to get toys for themselves, but they want to get toys for their siblings. Um, you know, so they're really, you know, looking for them siblings too to make sure that they have a really good Christmas also. Yeah. Um, so, so I did it, you know, I went over my budget, but it was worth it. And I think the, the feeling you get after this and seeing their smile, I think that's probably the best feeling you oh, get. Yeah, uh, oh yeah. It doesn't, for, it, doesn't for compare any, it doesn't compare to anything else, man. It's about, you know, yeah. bringing joy to families. Exactly. So this is, this is definitely, um, one of my favorite, uh, uh, events that we have because it's more personal instead of uh, of a community base you're you're focused on on one in, individual child and you know you 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 talk to them even though it's like a, a quick 30 minutes but the experience is definitely like worth it yep. so yep, yeah exactly. um it's so if anybody would like to uh you know help out with uh, these donations you could definitely contact our uh, sergeant union and you could call our police department number and then his extension is 1225 and in case for those who don't know, the uh, police department number is uh, 661-721-3377. Mm. Awesome. So, so yeah, well, besides that, um, that pretty much covers the uh, events we'll have for the end of the year. Thank you so much, for for coming on and, and talking with us. And uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you. All right, guys. Thank you so much for having me. You guys have a good one. All right, you yep. too. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Bye-bye. There it, uh, there it is, man. Uh, yeah. So what? <clears throat> Shop of the cop. We got the Thanksgiving drive. That's uh, DPD is looking for turkey donations. Yep, yep. And, we and uh, I review mean, of the trunk treat. Yeah, yeah. Trunk or treat was already such a huge success. So I mean, uh, keep the momentum going with yeah. uh, turkey dinners and uh, Shop of the cop. That's always a huge thing. Shop always. of the cop is always huge. So uh, right now, anybody that's has any means to donate donate yeah. that's let's make this uh time of the year wonderful magical happy for all all these oh, yeah. kids oh yeah so, I mean, oh yeah they oh, yeah. this they're young they they need to enjoy they need to be happy and they need to be able to go out and and uh shop mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. choose christmas i mean it's yeah. christmas it's christmas you know bro. yeah it's it's, christmas. It's basically it's christmas yeah, it's christmas <laughs> <laughs> so uh right now we're gonna take a short uh uh, set up break because we're going to bring in our last guest, which is Dustin Contreras. He is with the current coalition against human trafficking. So we're going to recap the uh, trunk or tree, play a quick video while we get set up. So everyone just uh, kind of uh, be right back. We'll be right back.
All righty. Well, we are back. So we're back. Thank you. Uh, took a quick little break to reset. Uh, we have with us today Dustin Contreras. Hello, Dustin. How are you been? Good evening. Good evening. Doing How are you well. doing? Doing yeah. well. Thank you for having me. So you're coming to us from the, well, Kern Coalition Against Human Trafficking, KCAT for short. Yeah. You're also a Kern County Sheriff's uh, detective, correct? Yes. Yeah, that's my day job. That's your day job. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, tell us about Kern Coalition. Yeah, so it was started uh, back in 2012. Uh, some uh, actually local law enforcement, some advocates that wanted to get together and kind of um, – using the best practices and develop this type of grassroots coalition um, to start addressing uh, human trafficking, what it looks like uh, specifically in Kern County, and starting to develop like a ways for victims to be heard um, and survivors to continue to be heard in their process. So human trafficking in itself, just that term is, can be very broad. Am I correct? Correct. So, you know, a common thing you'll hear is, uh, you know, they, it's modern day slavery, uh, which it is. There's, uh, in essence, two types of human trafficking. You have labor trafficking and then commonly, which is sex trafficking, which gets a lot of the limelight because of uh, the type of nature that it is. They always say sex sells. Um, and so it does get a lot of attention. But being, um, you know, Kern County in agriculture, um, we're also looking out for labor trafficking issues. So explain explain labor trafficking because I know that's probably something that people really like. Well, how do you how is what is labor trafficking? How do you how can you like define it or even spot it? Right. So uh, different ways. You know, labor trafficking can't just be a dispute between an employee and an employer. Uh, labor trafficking, much like sex trafficking, is where uh, uh, something is performed like a service. Um, whether it's illegal type labor or actually um, legitimate labor in agriculture. Um, kind of one of the first case I, I like to tell the story. One of the first cases I ever had back in 2006 was um, two gentlemen that were brought, they, they paid for a coyote to bring over um, the gentleman's wife and his 10 year old daughter. And uh, they came from Vegas uh, met with, uh, the people in Bakersfield, the coyote that was supposed to, uh, bring over their daughter. Long story short, they, uh, asked for $15,000 more. They were able to raise 10 when they couldn't. Um, they, uh, said, you'll never see your wife and daughter again. Uh, we were able to tr track the phone down to where it was into a house. And I remember coming up to the house and the first thing I saw, it was at night. Um, there were no, locks or door handles on the front door. But what I saw was a chain that was locked from the outside with padlock. When I looked in the, uh, the hole, I saw um, just, you know, cots in the living room and throughout the house. And each to next cot was a bucket of flowers. Why the flowers? So that's, if, that's if, interesting. Yeah. So, so where do you ever see bucket of flowers? Someone standing somewhere with bucket of flowers. Oh, Wow, yeah, like on, well, here in Delano all the time, actually. You see them just about every corner, just about any, like major holiday, Mother's Day, just about any holiday, you'll see someone on there, on the corner. Yeah, so if I never told you about that story right now, what would you think? 
If you never told, yeah, me. they're just out making. Yeah, money. no, I'm just thinking, mm-hmm. hey, somebody independently making hustle in the corner, right? Make, trying to sell some flowers, make a couple bucks, but apparently that could be another case, right? Very. Um, it, it's not to say that all cases are obviously like that, but in yeah. that case, it specifically was. So, um, let's say that they are actually being paid, but they're being paid a dollar an hour. So um, the house that I told you about that they're being locked in, now the rent is actually $5 a day. So multiply that time, and they're making a dollar an hour, so, so it, maybe they can pay their rent. Maybe they could pay their rent. Maybe they can pay their rent. Which, when you think about it, sometimes you think about it, well, how long? Because you see them set up on the corner. Just I mean, because right. you, like, you never know, but just for example, you'll see someone, and you're thinking, yeah, well, buy a flower, or they're selling roses or selling something. Mm-hmm. And they're out there all day. Correct. Eight, maybe ten hours. Do you ever see a car with them? No, never. I've I've never seen a car. They're just they're on the corner. So that means they're getting dropped off, probably, right? Correct. Yeah, usually in groups. You know, it goes into a big group. So that that was that was my first foyer into like human trafficking. I didn't see the sex side of it, and then obviously through through uh, my day job, I I was the first uh, human trafficking detective in the county. And was able to get a lot of training, and then KCAT started in 2012, that first year that um, that I was promoted to detective. So I uh, was involved with them, um, got a lot of training, and, and, and debunked a lot of the myths that I thought about. So I had a lot of guilt on my shoulders because I was thinking about all the things I missed. Right, so every time you saw someone with a bucket of flowers, never if they were a trafficking it. victim... Mm-hmm. Right now, your 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 mind is is going back and thinking, man, how many of those did I probably miss? Correct. Yeah. So it was. Uh, that's when I thought, you know, I'm I'm glad this organization's here, and what more can I do aside from just my normal duties at work? Um, so I I you know, volunteered um, for them countless times, and then uh, eventually became one of the co-directors. And I'll give a shout out to my co-director Sandy Wu. She uh, she comes from the academic world and actually was coming back after studying for a doctorate uh, on the East Coast and was looking for uh, a job. And at that time, we had some grant funding in which she uh, worked for us. And now she's um, with another organization that that is actually um, involved in human, anti-human trafficking work. But she's also a volunteer as well. So the two of us, along with our steering committee and, um, you know, countless volunteers, and we, we don't have like... Steady funding, a lot of things got cut uh, over the years, but um, we try to manage. So talk going back to what you said, because a little bit you said myths. Mm-hmm. So explain myths. What are some myths in connection with human trafficking? Right. So, you know, there's there's we never like to say anyone's, you know, if something suspicious is happening to you, it probably is something suspicious is going on. But if someone's following you, like in a Walmart or in a Kmart, and um, they seem to be keep following you, they're not usually trying to traffic you. Um, the, the stories of traffickers trying to pull children out of a home and put them out on Union Avenue or somewhere, you know, out in a hotel somewhere, that, that just doesn't happen um, as frequent as believed that it was. So you'll see a lot of stuff on Facebook. Um, where it says, oh, my cousin was uh, driving down Highway 99 and a car was following her. She dialed 911 and all of a sudden police came and surrounded the car 
And the cop came up to me after and said, you were being targeted by human traffickers. And that's a, like a common one. So if you look, and it's an actual post where it shows like the picture of the car and stuff like that. But if you look real close, you can see where like the word Bakersfield has been photoshopped like numerous times. So it's just like fill in the blank and fill in the street name and uh, those things. And they, they, yeah, it's a template. template. And they gain like, I mean, they, they become viral like quick. Like, so we get calls and we have to call law enforcement partners to try to debunk those things. And it spreads like wildfire. And it, it's, and it, it, it's just, it's odd that something like that spreads faster than the actual, you know, word that we're trying to get out. Yeah, I, I, I saw, I was checking out your site. So the website for KCAT and like you actually posted one, which followed Joe. I, I watch a lot of Joe Rogan sometimes. Mm -hmm. And like he, you, there was just recently they talked about and all these U.S. Marshal where they're putting on this, but it's like a blip in the news. Right. You hardly ever see anything. It's like everything's just overshadowed by obviously right now all the election stuff, Correct. everything else. But there's like 70. And then I think I saw the other day another 24 mm -hmm. uh, were found, the children. There's a mixture. There's not all. Yeah. Not all were human traffic. Some were other. They were, they're missing or they were just picked up because there were runaways and other things like that. But, I mean, it, it's it's crazy that there's not hard, there's hardly any media coverage on such a sensitive issue. Correct. A lot of it, you know, um, especially when you're dealing with sex, that it, it's hard for communities for that to be palatable. It's, it's something hard to talk about to your children normally. Um, and then to talk about um, the dynamics that go into what a trafficker does. Um, and they, they usually, they'll prey on someone that has family issues. Um, not all survivors and victims of human trafficking come from bad families. Um, I'm not saying that. Some come from very good families, um, and they just get hooked up with the wrong person. And I and I can go in and talk about how that process works because, you know, I've always heard like, well, there's no way I would do that. No one would ever force me into prostitute. Um, there's a lot of parallels to domestic violence when it comes to human trafficking. So um, I, I would always start out by telling people, you know, think about someone in your family. And there was always that aunt that you knew something wasn't right. You maybe found out later that she was being abused by her, your your uncle, and you looked at that uncle, and you're like, "There's no way that he would ever, you know, hit my aunt that way. I can't see that person that way." It's the same with traffickers. You know, they they carry on long, uh, lifelong relationships with some of their victims, and it's under the guise of a relationship, and behind closed doors, they're being forced to have sex for money. I saw. I read a little bit more on, on the myths because we were looking up myths also. Um, I think it was on the Polaris Project, mm -hmm. whereas a myth is like the attacker or the person that does the preying on the victim. Uh, it's a myth that, is it true that most of the time it's not an outside person? It's actually, a, like you were saying, it's that family person or a close friend Correct. to the family that preys on that victim because obviously they know about them, what they're going through. And they, it's a, it's pretty much an easy target. In a Correct. Way. Yeah. You, I mean, on the on the domestic sex trafficking side, that that's very common. It's a um, sometimes human trafficking or what traffickers call pimping. Um, I'll, I'll refrain from trying to use that 
Uh, and that's a whole nother story about how the media and how we as a society uh, build up the word pimp and pimping as if it's a good thing, not understanding that there's actually victims on the side of pimping. Um, and where someone, it's familial that they are traffickers throughout their, you know, the father was a trafficker or grandfather was a trafficker in the 60s, passed it down to his son in the 80s and then passed it down to the next generation currently where it's common and they'll traffic within the family, you know, cousins and stuff like that. So sometimes it's a familial thing or it's an acceptable family, you know, secret or culture within that family. Um, and so you'll see a lot of that, like, and they work their way. And just like any, you know, human trafficking is a sexual assault crime. So just like any other sexual assault, you know, someone, child molester, it's usually known within the family. The family knows who the um, suspect is, as well as sometimes rape, you know. So it's very few, or it's a stranger trafficking. It, it comes in different, um, they come in different forms. So I was going to pull up Polaris Project because it gave us a little information about that. And on on there, I mean, it shows, we're looking at the myths, and of course we see where it says 25 million people are trafficked worldwide. That is a lot of people. Yeah. That is a lot. And, and that's just what's reported. That's well, exactly. That's right. just what's reported. And I'm looking at the myths right here, and you can see where it says it's always or usually a violent crime. And that's a myth. So, I mean, violent crime. So, I mean, nonviolent. How, what classifies a nonviolent crime when you look at human trafficking? Yeah. So, so pimps will refer, you know, a, a pimp and trafficker tries to regale himself as a gentleman. So he gets street cred on not anyone can go beat up a girl and force her into trafficking, but not every person can convince that girl to do it willingly or what they think is willingly um, and give all their money up as if they're doing something for this person who they look up as a god or as, as, as their victimizer. Um, so there's, there's a lot of psycho psychological issues that go into it, you know, um, a lot of, uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank now, but, uh, you know, concentration camp victims, when they used to, um, their captors, they would fall in love with their captors, that type of thing. Um, a lot of that goes into play, um, where they don't have to use violence. Um, but when they try to leave, then that's sometimes when the violence happens or coercion. So there's different ways a trafficker will try to keep them working. So I know in regards to sex trafficking, mm -hmm. there's a lot of fear for the person actually being trafficked because there's, um, there, there's a fear that, Oh, well, if they don't do it, they might get caught or they're going to turn. There's, there's, there's consequences either way, either you mm -hmm. do what they say or, there's other consequences, right? Which could be threats of death mm -hmm. or even turning in, right? I mean, right. probably I mean, turn in their own person. Just well, so. and some of the laws, think, think, thankfully, California um, uh, has kind of led the way in how survivors and uh, victims of human trafficking have been treated. Where in the past, yeah, they, they would threaten to turn the cops onto them or get them arrested and then beat them for the time that they were arrested because that was money 
It's like being they basically lost. being off the clock, and now you're going to be punished, you know, in a wide array of ways. Um, but the actual the laws now have actually protected the victims in the sense that if they were forced to commit a crime under duress, then they're actually innocent of that crime. So that was in place. It finally uh, went back uh, more than five years ago where uh, that's the issue. The hard part is, you know, not everyone wants to get up on the stand and say they were forced into prostitution. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that's, the, that's kind of the nuance into how, how this victimization really affects these type of victims because a lot of shame comes with the type of crime they did. So on a, to ask a question, how, how can people even here, so Kern County, obviously, all of Kern County, anywhere really, how can they fight or identify any certain characteristics? Or is there, is there any way just a normal average Joe or average person can help out if by they see something or they suspect something? Yeah, so they can call, you know, you talked about earlier, the Polaris Project. They can call the Human Trafficking a hotline, which is national, um, 24-7. Um, and when they call that, um, there'll be a call taker, and they can they put in an email form, and they also, if it's like a, an emergency, they'll actually contact whichever law enforcement agency um, is, uh, whatever area is in, they'll try to determine um, which jurisdiction that is. If they, Delano, they know it's Delano, they'll call Delano PD. Um so call the hotline if you think you see something. Um, we'd rather you report it and it not be anything. Um, we'd rather you not post it on Facebook. Yeah. A lot of things about that is, you know, if you're posting on Facebook and it comes out that it's true, well, you've now identified that victim out to the public that maybe they didn't want people to know that they were, you know, um, that can sometimes do more harm than, than good. Um, and then it lets, law, you know, the guy know that law enforcement may be on to him and they're going to take off. So it can be confidential uh, when they report it to the uh, trafficking hotline or just call law enforcement. Um, Delano PD, I've done trainings with them in human trafficking. They've they've um, really stepped up to the plate for being an outside agency, not being one of the big three in Kern County, and uh, and very well should be. I always tell a story about uh, Tulare County, maybe about four years ago, I think it's been now. But they had one of the biggest human trafficking rings in Tulare County that they broke up and the entire sheriff's office basically shut down, stopped doing, you know, any other uh, investigation they couldn't do. And they worked on this for years, I think, with federal agencies. And they're actually able to do one of the biggest human trafficking rings in the country ever. Wow. And then so I always in ask Tulare County? in Tulare County. So I always I always say this to people. Do you think that the traffickers stopped at the county line and oh, didn't no. come to Delano for their oh, victims? No. Nope. Nope. And it, ah, man, it just makes, it makes me think a lot because I mean, you brought it up on the flower bucket mm-hmm. because it's like, oh, I scratch now I'm scratching my head all these times because yeah. it's like you see a flower bucket and you literally either see like a small little igloo or a small mm-hmm. water bottle and they're just right sitting right there waiting in for a country road. In, yeah. yeah. In a country road or you'll see them like we'll drive between here, McFarland and, um, oh, sorry. We'll drive between McFarland and um, Delano. Mm-hmm. So I'll go to McFarland from Delano out there the back road, and you'll see them out there like on pond. Oh, yeah. Selling. So like even the fruit stands, is that a possibility? Yeah. So the I, fr- mean, you, I you see that too. Mm-hmm. 
So the fruit stands, you know, I, I've tested that, like I've looked at, you know, you go close and you can see like a Department of Health sticker on the, the food and all that. So they, they are somewhat regulated. Their employees, we've never looked into that, but we've also never had anyone that said they were ever trafficked in that type of situation with fruit. Flowers, all day. Um, agriculture, all day. Circus, um, all day. Yeah. Circus. So the circus, yeah. So like the, the circuses that come through town. Come through town and then... Um, they're gone in a couple of days and then... Right. And a, and a victim that was being labor trafficked in there was like, um, I think I'm getting off in Delano. This looks like a nice place and I'm getting away from my trafficker. So one of the ways that uh, coercion and just to go back to labor trafficking is I, I take your passport or I take your, your Mika, your green card. Wow. So who are you? Yeah. So how do we identify you? So, um, you know, and that, and that's kind of where we we connect uh, victims to the places they need to be. You know, we work with the Mexican consulate. Um, we have partner. We have a sister coalition in Fresno that does the same thing. We put them in contact with them all the time. So besides um, labor, well, besides yeah, besides uh, labor trafficking, sex trafficking, of course, is what other. Are there any other categories, any other types of trafficking that are possible or even that happen besides that? Because, I mean, those are probably the big two, right? Yeah, those, those are the big two. That The way it's categorized in the law, so how it's prosecuted, um, would be one of those two things. And usually labor uh, kind of breaks a lot of federal laws. So sometimes the one of the, what we call the assistant uh, U.S. attorneys, We'll pick up some of those cases in our federal partners. Homeland Security will actually do those investigations on, into labor because it does violate a lot of federal laws. Um, and, and labor can be serious. I spoke to a, I was at a national conference in St. Louis a few years back, and I spoke to a, a labor trafficker, um, and he talked about, you know, what what could have law enforcement could have done differently, like because he believed the farmer, you know, here comes a deputy. It, it was back in New York of all places out in the country, upstate New York. And, uh, and I said, Hey, did you ever get taken through California? And he said, he goes, no. And I said, why not? I had a translator there. And he said, because the UFWs are so like, it's harder for them to traffic us when we're being accounted for by, you know, the, the unions out there trying to, you know, get us involved in the union. So it's harder for us to be trafficked in the central Valley especially Delano. And he knew about Delano and everything. He wanted to come through Delano. And uh, he talked about, you know, you know, if the law enforcement just would have came and talked to me or had a beer with me, <laughs> I would have trusted him to tell what was going on. It was actually a big case where uh, 35 individuals were placed out in the field and out in the middle of nowhere. If you know about upstate New York, I mean, they're, the forests there are gigantic. You could die in you know, you're, you're not going to make it to the next city and especially in the wintertime. So yeah, they were held there. And finally someone that had went to a training, uh, one of the deputies recognized what was going on, recognized what labor trafficking was, but for the years he was stuck there for years and years before that law enforcement had no clue. Wow. So it brings up because the pandemic, I know we, once the pandemic, everybody was on lockdown within the mm -hmm. first month, we did see reports where abuse, uh, uh, rape, and other things were up. Mm, up, yeah. Because, I mean, tensions were up. Everybody's stuck mm -hmm. home. Because not only are people stuck home, now they're in a confined space with 
someone that might be preying on them, right? Correct. So human trafficking right now during the pandemic, has it been on the rise? It's safe to say it's on the, it, there's a slight uptick, right? It, 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 obviously, it, we know it's going to be an uptick. So anytime um, crime increases, usually in the hotter months, um, human trafficking is weird because sex is all the time. So um, the numbers did get kind of skewed because it was, you know, any anything like that when you start focusing on your home life. And some of these victims are kind of what they traffickers refer to as weekend warriors where if they have like a bad home life or they're in like independent, you know, now I'm talking about juveniles. So we're in a whole different realm, which you have your sex trafficking, you have child exploitation um, where they now don't have access to the kids before because maybe dad's not working. So dad's at home and can see the juvenile. And so things are done maybe on the weekends, like maybe when they get free time or they're able to not be, doing homeschooling and they're able to pull the child only for weekends. So the, the numbers got skewed. Um, it, it still went on. Um, but yeah, anytime, anytime that happens and people are indoor, um, you are going to see an uptick, but with human trafficking, it's weird because like I said, it's what's reported and we, you know, stats everyone, anytime we go and we talk to the media, they want stats and it's like, well, I can give you a lot of stats. It's the numbers that I don't have that make me worry. Yeah, because, I mean, obviously what you have is just what's, like you said, what's Mm -hmm. reported. Correct. Or what's who's been discovered. Because obviously there's a huge, I mean, there's probably like way more, it's probably exponentially than what you've. Oh, yeah. Like, um, you know, because, again, it comes back to the victim and the survivors of this. You know, we don't try to elicit their stories like i mean we deal with a lot of survivors but you would never know that because i would never talk to you about their stories obviously without their permission and i would never ask them to come tell their story so some people you know just like anything if they go through a traumatic experience sometimes they just want it behind them and they don't want to revisit it and re-traumatize themselves and we don't want to do that as well so it's a it's a like a double-edged sword because then people think well it's not happening Mm-hmm. You know, it actually is. It's just something we don't. Well, that that ties into, I guess, I mean, a lot of people don't want to come forward mm-hmm. about it if they are being trafficked or being any type of either be labor or sexual or mm-hmm. abuse or anything, because one, it's embarrassing. Correct. So, I mean, that that keeps a lot of people from saying anything, but then that also keeps them in a bad position because it's going to continue. Mm-hmm. It's not going to stop. So. At some point, they have to kind of say, well, I mean, what's what's feasible? But, I mean, it, what, what percentage of people actually come forward versus them being discovered? It depends. Um, and, and I hate to give you that answer, but um, what, what it boils down to is how they're approached. So, um, you know, the investigators that do these types of investigations are taught to do what they call a victim-survivor-centered approach where it's, you know, hey, we believe you. Because a lot of times, you know, whether it's their own family, depending on the culture that they come from, that's a family shame type thing. You know, everyone associates prostitution with something that you willingly do, not understanding the dynamics of being forced by coercion, um, duress, and all those things. They just see the bigger picture. They see the word prostitute. 
and the shame comes with it. So um, sometimes, you know, they they don't come forward, but if they have the right people uh, backing them, advocates, how that first um, interaction with law enforcement happens, um, like, you know, hey, I believe you that this happened, not, you know, questioning you and trying to deteriorate your story because it's not making sense. Well, if, if you were held captive for so many years and beaten and tortured and raped over and over again, things are probably not going to be clear yeah. in your head. It's a, it's a big trauma. And, and so, you, you know, to you try to put yourselves um, in those shoes and in, in whatever we're doing, whether it's advocacy, whether if it's talking with them or as an investigator, you try to do that and, and uh, make them feel like, you know, we're there to help, which is what we're there for. So I brought up, I'm, I'm going to, we're going to go back to the Polaris project. Yeah. Cause I mean, that was like the top one. And when I started looking through, I was like, man, there's a whole bunch of information yeah. on there. They're, they're the, uh, and I'm, I'm looking through here and it's like rumors versus reality. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm scrolling through these and I'm like, have wow. you seen them before on Facebook? Yeah. Like, like I've actually seen it. Like one, one that I wanted to ask you was the thing where like overpriced cabinets, like I heard yeah. about that one. Like, is that true? Cause I mean, it was like, who's going to pay like. Fifteen or ten thousand dollars for a IKEA cabinet, right? I never, you know, and I should have. I should have looked more into it. Um, but you know, just I don't want to use the word common sense. But you know, if you see that, uh, either one, if you're familiar with what you mentioned earlier, templates and stuff like that. If it's real, um, I'm pretty sure they're not going to keep posting that after it's gone viral. Yeah. Well, obviously. Because that's why I pulled up that one where it's like, it's been thoroughly debunked. Is believed right. that the rumor began as QAnon, which, I mean, if you don't know what QAnon is, Correct. it's huge. I mean, a lot of, uh, it's been talked about with, especially with this election is in, in regards to certain presidential candidates Correct. and all this crazy stuff coming up. And I mean, it's, it's, it's just amazing, like all the different things that people will put and. You said it yourself, I think when we spoke before mm-hmm. about it, that there's a lot of um, things that, or, sorry, where am I? There's a lot of uh, the social media and the internet tend to kind of help it in a mm-hmm. way or push it farther underground as well as kind of exploit. So, I mean, where you might think that, what were you saying like where some site is like getting donations or getting kind of... right trying to help mm-hmm. but they're exploiting the story of someone that actually went through that I correct mean, that's in my mind is doing more negative than positive for it yeah and that's that's coming from a non-victim centered or survivor centered approach um, that comes from someone that's not trained in understanding um, you know how victims are re-traumatized so yeah we started getting a lot of calls about that and complaints about you know hey is this organization real um, we started seeing, you know, uh, people referring to it as pop-up type um, s- human trafficking advocate groups uh, within Kern County, and they were pushing a narrative that that s- some of them, some of the things they posted were unsafe. Um, that that I per- I personally saw uh, one that that talked about you know, you know pedophiles should be murdered. And there was a sign, and and they this sign was in front of Truxton, uh, the courthouse. And I'm like, okay, well, anyone is not going to advocate violence 
for, you know, people have made comments about pedophiles and what should happen to them and stuff. And sometimes they do it jokingly. But if you're a legitimate uh, advocacy group and you're trying to talk about something that um, has violence associated with it, you probably shouldn't post signs, you know, asking for donations on one sign and then saying, you know, pedophiles should be murdered. Yeah. Um, <laughs> calling for murder. So um, just little things like that. People were sending us pictures and asking questions like, is this legitimate? And, and we have no way of confirming if they're legitimate. Um, there's ways you can do it online to see if, I mean, if they're saying they're a nonprofit organization, there's ways to determine that. But we, yeah, we started seeing a lot of that, you know, during, during some of the other uh, protests that were happening, we started seeing as those protests and that message started dying down, um, these other ones started vamping up. And, and so we were getting a lot of calls about, uh, um, you know, what were, what were they about? And we were never able to determine all of them if they were legitimate or not. So, I mean, God, there's, just, there's so much... <laughs> There's so much you could dive into. I mean, you could go hours and hours yeah, on you everything. Know, the, the big thing is, you know, like you said earlier, what can people do? You can call um, uh, you can call uh, the National Human Trafficking Hotline. We're going to try to put something together where we do a virtual human trafficking 101 so we can actually start training uh, on a, in a mass uh, way, you know, doing it in a safe way before we would have face-to-face trainings, you know, the typical traditional type training, PowerPoint, and so on. So and we can still do that, um, especially in that, that uh, virtual learning platform. So we're going we're gonna to try to push that together. We started vamping up about the miss, and we still are going to do that where we have kind of like a, a Q&A panel, and we're looking at early December for that. Um, we're going to have all the experts and someone from the district attorney's office, um, law enforcement, uh, myself, and uh, my colleagues. So uh, where anyone can call in. And we'll kind of go over the same things that Polaris did. And Polaris does it, you know, obviously in in a uh, wide uh, spectrum. So we're going to try to narrow it down to how things happen in Kern County. So uh, a lot of the things I like to explain to people about sex trafficking specifically and how this happens. So, um, and and sometimes I teach at Bakersfield College, so I'll use a, a map, but I'll try to paint the picture now. So if you look at California and the way it's shaped, and if you were to look at roads, right? So you have the Highway 99, you have the 101 coming from up north, you have uh, you know freeways coming from the Central Coast, and they all funnel into Bakersfield, the mecca for human trafficking in the world and in the country is Las Vegas. The last stop before a victim gets told they're either going to do what they're going to do for money or uh, the trafficker finally reveals himself as uh, what's going to happen. That happens in Bakersfield. I'm looking at, I pulled up the map. I don't know if you can see it a little bit, but you can see where it shows. um, I'm going to put my glasses on because I'm getting old. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Where am I at? Ah. Ah, it won't let me. It's okay. I'll just zoom in. But yeah, you can see, and I was listening to that Joe Rogan podcast that he that you posted on the KCAT site, and they talked about port cities. Right. Port cities and obviously major highways, which you just mentioned right now, 
And it, like you said, Bakersfield, you got 50, yeah. 58 and 99. That that's a major intersection. That's majority of the way that people from the central Valley or at least, uh, what from certain areas of even LA, they will travel through Bakersfield to make their way out to Vegas. Correct. And I, you can see how that's, uh, it's a hot spot. Over yeah, you there see the Vegas. red spot right there. Yeah. 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 That see, red that, spot right there. Yeah. That's Bakersfield. Correct. And then you can see it takes you out to Vegas. Las Vegas, Nevada. Correct. So in mm. between there, you have a small little blue spot right there. Um, is that Barstow? Yeah. So the in between there, Barstow is your last stop. But Barstow doesn't necessarily have what they refer to as uh, what they call a track or, or a blade, which is what Union Avenue is. It's basically the the street that where prostitutes can walk. Or there's you know hotel motels there that are cheap and you know renting and traffickers will run out the rooms and force their victims to be in those rooms and be, you know, trafficked. So there's not really one of those in Barstow. You have some truck stops and stuff like that. So we do see some trafficking in there, but Bakersfield is the last major stop where there's a union Avenue. Um, and I go back to, so when Tulare had that big bust within a year, they were funded for a human trafficking task force. Tulare. Wow. Right. Yeah, so, you said it was probably well. It was the largest. It was the largest. Yeah. To 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 my day, it was the largest of many victims and as many traffickers as they arrested. They they arrested like fifteen or more traffickers. And what it was was it was all the small cities, and so it was this big ring. But they were u- taking victims from all these small Ducor, all these small towns. And that's why I always say, you think they stopped at you know the county line? No. Mm-hmm. Why not come to the next biggest city? Yeah. Right. I mean, well, geez, you think of Delano and Delano's literally, we're right in the middle of that. Right. We're right in the middle of what Tulare's 30 minutes north and Bakersfield's mm-hmm. 30 minutes south. Yeah. So, I mean, we're slap yeah. in the middle of it. And there's a high population here. Delano, you know, everyone forgets Delano's the second biggest city. Yep. Second okay. biggest, biggest city in Kern County. Everyone forgets that. You know, I, I tell people that and they look at me for a second and they're like, well, I guess so. And I go, yeah, I, you know, absolutely it is. So, you know, traffickers are going to go where the money is and um, a lot of money here. So um, without a task force like Tulare had for that time, um, we're surrounded by task forces. So like L.A. has one, Riverside County, San Bernardino County has one, Ventura County has one. We're the only one without a task force. So Kern County is the only one without a without task force? Without a task force. That's, I mean, you would think because, I mean, mm, people think Union Avenue and that's probably one of the top things they think about. Correct. It's like, well, if you tell someone, I was like, oh, I'm going to go somewhere. Where are you going? I was like, oh, it's by Union. What are you doing on Union Avenue? Right. Why are you going over there? Because, I mean, everybody kind of knows it's not the Associated best area. Associated with the CD. Right. Yeah, it's like, ooh, it's kind of sketchy mm-hmm. to be going to Union. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, eventually, you know, we, that's why the coalition exists, because it lays the framework. Um, we go by the model that Polaris puts forward in the federal model. And how it happens to work in collaboration with the community. So not just law enforcement, just not government-led. You know, we're dealing with nonprofit organizations and non-government organizations that make us a coalition. And the way we approach it is in a victim and survivor-centered approach, too. So not only do we, um, and we never use the term rescue, but to, you know, help someone out of their trafficking situation and get them in the right place, but then we also continue to help them throughout their life and throughout their journey into being a survivor. Well, there's a, there's a, well, you said, like you said, recovery, there's a, there's going to be a period, but that kind of, mm-hmm. that's got to stay with them. 
Probably yeah. for life. That's, yeah. that's a lifelong issue that they're going to have to deal with mentally. Uh, they'll probably see therapists or even go yeah. to they're, group sessions or uh, group counseling just to kind of. Maybe, you know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of up to, you know, how we've, we've had some programs where we like survivor group and stuff like that. Um, where there, and I have no idea who they are because that's how I want it They're It's confidential. They, they go with a therapist and I, never know anything what they talk about and whatever as as it should be um you know that to they talk about you know someone that's been in this type of they go through a you know some type of program therapy some real heavy therapy and even after a year of that sometimes they're still not ready but um you know the public wants to hear these stories and sometimes they feel the pressure to tell their story and that that's not what we're about we want if they want to tell their story that's fine um, we call them survivor leaders and they get real involved in the work and they do advocacy and they're out there. They write books, you know, they talk about their, their, uh, you know, experiences and how they were trafficked and what they did to overcome it and all that. And it's very intriguing, but, um, yeah, we like to, if we can, we, you know, we bring a, a survivor here and they'll talk about it. We usually do an annual thing on human trafficking awareness month, which is coming up in January. And, um, you had supervisor couch on earlier and he's actually, yeah, well, pro- he, he was supposed to oh, be he's supposed on. He to. Okay. prior engagement, so he couldn't make it this week. Hopefully, he's can join us next week. But he's uh, a good guy. He he'll do. He's done our proclamations before on on Human Trafficking Awareness Month, which will be in January. So, um, yeah, it it uh, you know the, that's that's our focus. You know, is develop you know survivors and have their input in how we run the coalition as well. You know, we don't want to be on this bound of, you know, hey, we're the experts and we need to tell you we need that input. So we're constantly, you know, if if they reach out to us, you know, we're there to help. So, I mean, just to remind everybody again, this is the KCAT website. So, I mean, you can check them out at K-C-A-H-T dot org. Uh, if you have any concerns or anything about or suspected any type of human trafficking, you can call that number or you can text, which it shows just flashed right now on the screen. You could text help to 2337333. So be free is the acronym for that. And uh, I was, I just wanted to show everybody because it's like right here, you shared it on the website. It's so if you can go to that website and check out that one where he, you reposted the uh, yes. clip from Joe Rogan with talking on what's going on with human trafficking. That's a great little. Yeah, segment what, of that podcast. Wesley like, check had, it out. Yeah, he breaks it down very well. I I, I felt compelled to post that just because um, he he talks about the myths and and I've never come across that gentleman before. But apparently, he's a uh, not a Naval Academy grad, a West Point grad, and holds a bunch of doctorate degrees, and he's running for Congress, I believe, in Texas. So I'm kind of curious um, how he did, but but very well spoken and knew about the issue and almost knew about it from a law enforcement perspective and how uh, to debunk these myths, but always also about how, you know, how to treat survivors. So I was actually, you know, you see him, he's like this yoked out guy, military, you, you know, but those are the guys, you know, those are the unsung heroes that come forward and um, that, that you fall into this work and, you know, you'll do everything to kind of, you know, everything I do is volunteer. I don't get paid to do it. So, and I love doing it. And it's, uh, I'm, you know, the coalition's been around. It's been eight years now. It doesn't seem like that long, but um, goes by quick. Yeah, time flies. So, no, I, we appreciate you. I mean, the National Human Trafficking Hotline. I always 
It's uh, 888-373-7888. Yep. 188, it's right there, there again. National hotline, should you ever have any, or should anybody suspect or feel the need to check in? I mean, it's better to do something than then Correct. not do anything. Yeah, we. I mean, I've gotten numerous calls myself just from Delano on, on seeing things where they seen someone on the corner selling toys or selling whatever. They just, you know, hey, that looked like a young kid. And, and those are all important. So, you know, we would call Delano PD and they go check it out and evaluate whether or not it could be a trafficking situation, make sure they have all their documents, uh, their passports, stuff like that, if they are uh, foreign-born. Um, and, and the other thing, I mean, bring up, yeah, just because someone's not documented, um, there's laws in place that, that, you know, you talk about U visas and temporary visas, that's what they're there for. If they're a victim of human trafficking, we link them up with the right people that can process those claims from and get them here. Like you said, also Mexican consulate, they, mm -hmm. they have hotline or they have emergency Correct. Uh, uh, aid that they can help. And anyway, anyway, that needs a, uh, any type of help you can, you yeah, can or get just to get their ID, mm -hmm. you know, just to get their, their original ID that they had. There's a process. I, I spoke with the, one of the representatives from the consulate on the process and how it works. So, so when I speak to someone, I know, how that works and and it, it it was it was rudimentary but i mean you basically have to find someone in mexico that knows who you are and a witness and they go in front of the mayor of that district in mexico they attest to that that's you and they send a picture and then they use that same picture here and then they create an id for you here wow yeah but they have to someone has to go someone get has you. to actually someone go. has to get your birth certificate and say this is that person and then they match up the pictures with you in the consulate wherever whatever state you're in or city you're in, and then that's how you get your ID back without having to go back to Mexico, especially if you're here, um, let's say you're testifying for the district attorney on a human trafficking case. Mm -hmm. That's why you would need to remain here and not go back. Be deported. Or yeah. be deported. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, that, that's a lot of facets. So much, yeah. so much information. There's so, there, there, there is so much. It's just scratching the surface. And, and that's what we like to say. Scrat, you know, when you talk about what you're looking for, scratch the surface and see what you'll find. And, you know, prostitution's always been a vice. And what we talk about, a vice, you know, uh, in vice and law enforcement. So um, you, you do have to look deeper. And with the, with the creation of the Internet, it's actually pushed it even further underground. So before of walking on the street, that's not what you see anymore. That's like a real desperation in human trafficking. Uh, someone's forcing because, I mean, cops are going to see it. They're going to grab a girl and talk to her and say, hey, you're being trafficked, so on and so forth. It's easier to find Johns online through these dating apps or Craigslist or what have you and book your appointments that way and make thousands of dollars a day. Thousands. Wow. That was it, that, I'm going back to what we were talking about when you were talking about unions. Mm -hmm. That was, was the upstate New York person where they yeah. talked about California where they didn't yeah. come through California he, he, because yeah. of the union. He said the he believed his trafficker didn't bring him. I asked him specifically about Delano. Did he ever get, you know, pulled through Delano or Baker, so Kern County? And he mentioned Delano and I said, you know, how come, you know, your trafficker didn't how come no one dropped you off here? He they were in a van and stuck in a van and not let out, um, guarded by like a farmer. And he said, you know, because the we knew and he knew, he even mentioned it that the UFW is there and that that's, you know, union strong and they would try to get us to be in the union. But part of that is to 
make sure that we're living free. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they're going to want information about you. Yeah. And like you said, if they're holding on to your passport, Minka, mm-hmm. or any type of yeah. identification, there's there's no way for them to verify. So it's like, well, why don't you have your ID? Correct. The question How are you starts. working here? Right. How are you? Where's this, do you have a social? Do you have a number to work under? Do you have a tax ID? All, all those types of questions that they'll get if a union gets a hold of them, mm-hmm. say, hey, well, we can help you benefit during the union period. They don't have any of that. That's a red flag. So do unions or representatives that go out to those, um, I guess, work sites where the where, where, where union would participate, do, do they have any type of training to identify that right. or report it? My quick answer would be no. I know that the UFW actually did a great job. Uh, the foundation did a great job at, um, they were actually doing some ads on um, Spanish radio channels and stuff talking about human trafficking and actually creating a liaison where someone that did know the responses to human trafficking knew the human trafficking hotline and, and how to uh, respond to that. So they were actually doing real good in, in putting that out and, uh, um, I haven't heard anything recently, but I'm just assuming that they did that. But yeah, no, the there's not too many um, requirements for employers. Um, law enforcement obviously has to have annual training on on human trafficking. Um, teachers and schools, actually not just teachers, but schools in general, like every employee. And the reason why I know that Delano was the first to jump ahead of it when there was a new law that was coming in in 2020 and in 2019. Um, someone from Delano High School um, district called me and said, hey, can you put on a training for um, one of the schools? And I thought it was like just Cesar Chavez, but it was every high school. <laughs> so, wow. so so, all the faculty. Um, well, well, most faculty, I mean, when you think of school employees, teachers, administration, they're all mandated reporters too. Correct, but this so, was I mean, everyone. This was custodians. This was oh. cafeteria workers. This was everyone. Yeah, this wasn't just the faculty mandated reporter type thing. And then, you know, with mandated reporting, do they know what human trafficking looks like? Right. Probably so, not. Yeah. So it, it's it's you know it's a you know this the TVPA Tra- Trafficking Victim Protection Act came out in the early two thousands, and then it's evolved. Um, like I said earlier, California's actually made the precedence and made the Bible and and how um, to respond to human trafficking. And you know, you talked about earlier being port cities. You know, San Francisco and and you know the term Shanghai, where that came from. That came from San Francisco. They would pick up all the drunks, you know, from some of the bars, and they would wake up out of their drunken stupor halfway to Shanghai, labor trafficked. So you're either going to work on this boat. Or you can get off, <laughs> have a f- fun swim, swim back. back. Right. Oh, so <laughs> you're now labor trafficked. Yeah. So you're going to live on this boat. By the way, your galley fees are this much, blah, blah, blah. You're left with a dollar or nothing. You're actually left in debt. So now you owe the boat money. So by the time you get back to San Francisco, you owe the boat money. So that would be like an old trafficking situation, which how you would just put that into a labor trafficking situation, pick one, you know, you, if you had a domestic worker here working here and you said, Hey, you could live in my garage. Um, I'll pay you 300 bucks. You have to clean, cook, clean, feed my children, put them to bed, do the yard work. And I'll give you $300 and, but your rents 700. (laughs) Yeah. They're, they're already upside down. So right. they're they're off 
right off the bat. Yeah. So it's, it's a clear cut example. Well, I'll apply your deposit that you would normally have to do for if an apartment that your first and last month's rent, I'll apply that as well. And it's, will gain interest. So they labor. basically have no exit. Correct. So they're like, well, I have no choice, especially if the, the, there's like a last resort and that's the Correct. only way they could work. It's, I it's mean, a form of labor travel. What they refer to as debt bondage. Debt bondage. Debt bondage. So that, that's, they were seeing that a lot common down in the richer parts of Southern California where, you know, they would hire someone from a foreign country, India, Mexico, um, you know, some, some of the South American uh, countries where uh, they would get domestic type worker and uh, work, you know, for all these wages and then have this like bill and then say, oh, by the way, we're going to hold on your passport so you don't take off with the money that you owe us. Or if you ever steal from me, I need to know who you are. So I need to hold on to your passport under the guise of that. And in reality, it was just labor trafficking. And these are, you know, attorneys and professionals doing this type of things. There's a good documentary. I can't remember if it's still on, um, but it's a guy that talks about human trafficking. He talks about him being from a wealthy family. He was sent to journalism school and all this stuff and how to make documentaries. And as he started learning about labor and human trafficking, he realized he had a nanny since he was two years old, Filipino lady, real nice, you know, tr thought it was his second mom and come to find out how she had left the Philippines and left her own children and family raised him like it was his own and he, she had never went home in that entire 27 years or whatever it was that she spent with him and how she was finally home so he went and filmed her in the philippines and she told her story how and he talked about you know did my family traffic her like you know was that labor traffic like he couldn't he talked about how easily it could be exploited how she could have been you know, but out of the kindness of her heart, she raised him. It was like his mom. I mean, he even knew Tagalog. I mean, he's a white kid from Massachusetts, I think it was. And, you know, how just about that love, you know, and the difference, you know, if she could have been forced. And she talked about, you know, situations in her family where people had been forced, brought from the Philippines, said they were going to have a nanny job here. And then they're in a trafficking situation, whether it was sex or labor. Wow. So are there, are there any protections for anybody, say they're... Say they are being trafficked and they recognize this. So, like I like how you said, a lot of people are scared to come forward because mm -hmm. of consequences. But are there any protections for them should they decide to come forward? Yeah. So you know, like I said earlier, the law obviously protects them with certain types of crimes that if they commit, and it can show that you know they were it was done under duress, meaning they were held captive, they were forced to do these types of things like prostitution, right? They're forced to do these things. Are they breaking the law? Absolutely, they are. It, it is a misdemeanor in the state. Um, but it was done under duress. It wasn't done in their own free will. And they did break a law, so should they be held accountable? Um, obviously, the answer would be no. And be like, if I, if I held your family hostage and said, go rob a bank, you rob the bank, the cops come here, follow us or whatever, they find your family, everyone's safe, but they still charge you with robbing the bank. So the laws were made to protect people protect like that. Because they're yeah. victims. They weren't, mm -hmm. well, even though, like you said, they committed the crime, mm -hmm. but it was under duress. Right. It was, they were forced to, in a right. way. Yeah, so, and children. And, and a lot of things, you know, back when I started, children were still being prosecuted for, for prostitution, 
even though they were being forced to do this. And, and a child, by law, can't make the decision to be a prostitute. They can't make that decision to... The, the, the law has made it that way, that they're, they're incapable of making a conscious decision to be a prostitute. So it's almost like the trafficker is contributing to the delinquency of a minor at the tune of a possible life sentence because it's, a, it's an exposure to life in prison if you traffic a minor in the state of California. So we do have some very harsh laws, and we, set again, set the precedence for the rest of the United States, but we have to make sure that they're being enforced properly and prosecuted properly, and that's also why the coalition exists and why we work with law enforcement partners to ensure that the best practices are happening in these uh, types of cases. So the protections are out there, um, again, it comes down to, you know, that victim and the survivor and how how it's approached, you know, when they're spoken to. Um, if they're going to be on board and start getting the services and start rebuilding their life, um, or are they just going to be thrown back into another situation and allow another trafficker then exploits them again? Wow. Well, we've uh, definitely gone down a very long path. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we could probably save it for another episode, yeah. another go, maybe go more into detail on a certain subject or a certain myth or anything, any type of information to get out to the public is, I mean, it's better. The more education the public receives, the more that this can be in a sense squashed or even be reduced because I mean, I mean, it's like you said, it's always going to happen. It's, it's, it's everywhere. Yeah. A lot, a lot of times you won't see it or you won't even be reported, but mm -hmm. the more education, the more, uh, the more people can bring it forward. The more people can uncover those that have been hidden for so long. Correct. Yeah. It, it's, um, you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of survivors, you know, they, they maybe not necessarily want to be identified, but you know, they obviously don't want this to happen to anyone else. And, that's a big thing that this, the trauma that people go through, I mean, is, is, um, it's terrible. And, and there's male victims out there just as well. That's a whole nother show that we can talk about the male dynamics of how male prostitutes are put into this prostitution at a young age, um, being lent out to like older rich gentlemen that are in the closet about their homosexuality. And there's a, just a ring of this going on in California. Really? Yeah. A ring of that in California? Yeah, it's been going on since the 70s, probably earlier than that, but had to do with a lot of high, powerful people that, uh, you know, throughout California that it was just a common thing and an unspoken, but it dealt with a lot of money, so it was people in power. That's why it brings in the question when you see, like, out and where you see documentaries, like on the Epstein yeah. kind of thing where certain people or even politicians in high power involved in that, it's, it's yeah there it's, were it's out there yeah there were there were and there were you know modern day abolitionists talking about Epstein way before Epstein was Epstein in the media like that that was a known you know but no one was listening no one no one wanted to, you know of all people they I, Joe Rogan talks about if you want he um, talks about it a lot what's his name Alex uh, Alex Jones Alex Jones was talks one of the about first the, to that bring up I Epstein. He talked about Epstein way before anybody yeah, wanted to absolutely hear about it. QAnon, Bohemian mm -hmm. Grove, all this yeah. crazy things out there. It's like, yeah, he got the Epstein thing right. I mean that that right there. I mean, and as they're uncovering it, you know, again, they're probably dealing with some of these uh, survivors that are now probably in a good place. And do they want to be identified? So yeah, I can 
It's, it's, it's out there. Laws weren't created because it's a myth. Yeah, no. Human trafficking is real. Yeah. yeah. We, we created these laws. People go to prison for them. There are victim and survivors out there, and there's a reason why we talk about it because it's reality. There's a lot of people that it's hard for them to accept that this is actually happening. They believe that prostitutes are like um, Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman, that they're just out there working the street at their own free will and meet millionaires and live a happy life. It doesn't work that way. Well, that's that's Hollywood. That's mm-hmm. the media for you. It's not yeah. always entirely mm-hmm. correct, as yeah. we can yeah, we'll go into right now. We can go into media and Hollywood <laughs> and, you know, uh, you know, rappers who, who uh, uh, sensationalize, you know, human trafficking just done in a different way. I mean, you just have to look at the lyrics. When you look at the lyrics, you can see there's a song called Going Up on a Tuesday. Remember that? You ever heard that one? No. Okay. Well, Jay-Z's first song, I forgot what it's called, P-I-M-P or something like that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he's talking about. Really? Mm-hmm. So if you listen to the words or you pull them up on YouTube or Google, Google the words Mm -hmm. and he's bragging and talking about when he was a pimp and how he prostituted women and what he had to do to do that. So very catchy song. I love, I love the riff. I love the music. I love the way his flow. So so many people just even just cool. Like they love the song or the beat and they just look at the words. So, I mean, you get people out in a club talking about or singing the lyrics to this, not knowing that they're mm-hmm. singing lyrics about... About how he controlled women. How he controlled yeah. women, pimping, prostitution. Right. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's out there. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's and, it, and lyrics-wise, that's nothing new. Because, I mean, you talk about Jay-Z, that's more current or within the past 15, 20 years, because that's more when he's mm-hmm. been relevant in the music industry. But, I mean, this dates back way yeah we're talking late way, 90s when was he yeah. well late 90s when he was singing when about he was it. singing yeah yeah yeah, so yeah no the the you know the the there's documentaries you can watch out there where where even the documentaries they they talk about it they kind of they don't not sensationalize it but it's just open and if you can watch some of those american pimp is one of them and uh, i think one's on prime or netflix now about iceberg slim uh, that was produced by ice t and he, he talks about that. He wrote books about, you know, how to control women and what he did. Um, but he'll, they never talk about the violence. That's the part they leave out. They never talk about how they were violent with women, you know, how sometimes. But American Pimp, I think that's the one. There's another one called Pimps Up and Hose Down. But a lot of those will give you uh, introspect on how pimps are. Um, they, they won't talk about the violence and they never show it, but it's there. Well, I have to say we've gone very far yeah. in this podcast. I think we thank you guys. Save it for another time, which you're more than welcome to join us anytime. Anytime. And this is definitely we could go on for hours. I'm I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah <we could. laughs> so, so again, thank you, Dustin. Thank you for coming on. Uh, thanks to the work that you do out there at the Kern Coalition against. And then any any other questions that you have, anybody, you're more than welcome to research on your own it's it's out there just like Dustin said all you got to do is search and it's out there if you have any questions or any concerns we'll flash it right now there's a national hotline should you have any concerns or any suspected or see any suspected human trafficking give the hotline a call there's there's no wrong that you could do the the worst thing is that they'll or well the best thing they could tell you is that oh no this was not 
after investigating. Yeah. And then, I mean, of course, the other positive is if there was or if there is that's happening, yeah. then you just help stop or at least put a stall on Correct. that certain operation. So, again, Dustin, thank you very much for joining us. Andrew, and thank uh, you. That will continue. That will complete this episode of North Kern Weekly, Delano Podcast News. Thank you, everybody. And uh, we'll catch you on the on the next one. For All sure. Right? All right.